the top of the show today, have to let you know we're focusing in on mental health for a variety of reasons. One, the psychologist with the Calgary Police Service is going to be presenting to the World Police Summit in Dubai this week, suggesting that all police services make regular communication and appointments for their members with their staff psychologists or a psychologist of choice. The reason? So police members can check in and make sure everything's okay. Dr. Patrick Bailey is either on his way or will be soon heading to the United Arab Emirates excuse me, for the World Police Summit in Dubai. And the consulting psychologist is going to recommend that all police services, because of the stresses that members are under, have their officers and also behind-the-scenes staff getting regular check-ins with psychologists. And I think this is a great idea. That's reason number one for starting the show, focusing on mental health this afternoon. Reason number two is that we now know where the money in the upcoming provincial budget's going to go regarding supporting mental health programs for youth. Here in Calgary, a big chunk of change from budget 2023 is going to be used so CASA Mental Health can do the good work that it does. CASA, C-A-S-A, Mental Health, offers residential and day programs for youth and also has mental health classrooms operates here in the city of Calgary and also in Edmonton. And regarding the need for this, here's the CEO of CASA Mental Health, uh, Bonnie Blakely. We exhaust every community program we can find to get our kids help. We push our family physicians and our primary care networks beyond their capacity and their comfort. And eventually we're told that we are too complex to be managed. At the same time, our kids are often not severe enough to have the healthcare professionals they need or to be admitted to hospital. Our kids may have different diagnoses. We may come from different backgrounds and we may live in different communities across Alberta. However, we find ourselves in the same place eventually. Emergency departments where we never should have landed, receiving acute services we never should have needed. A place where we may receive temporary help only to be discharged and start the whole thing over again. So a total of $92 million over three years has been earmarked to expand mental health services for youth and children in the province of Alberta. And on the flip side of things, more and more companies and organizations are making more and more mental health programs available to their employees. And that's where my first guest comes in this afternoon. Killian Shukalari is joining me. Killian's an HR advisory manager at Peninsula Canada. Uh, Killian, how are you? Good, Ted, and thanks for having me on the show. I'm glad you're here as well. I'm glad you're here as well. As an HR advisory manager, an HR professional, it must be imperative for companies and organizations to offer more and more mental health support for employees now. Absolutely. I mean, employee assistance programs is something that has, um, has been on the mind of a lot of the employers. It all goes back to Ted, and you touched upon it. You know, it's not just the government that has to deal with budgets. It's, it's mainly uh, companies of all sizes. Uh, so their ability to take part, offer, um, address these concerns is sometimes limited by, by their ability um, to have the, the right amount of budget because some of these things do cost if you're putting them in place for your employees. 
How, I mean, there must be a business case, though, for having these. I'm just thinking if, you know, me personally, if Ted's going through something, you know, outside of work regarding my mental health, it's clearly going to impact my performance on air, like doing the show. So there's a definite business case to keep me as mentally healthy as possible. Absolutely. I mean, we do the same thing when it comes to the physical uh, injuries. For example, there's a process for it, and that's where I want to focus a little bit uh, my my points with you today. There needs to be a process first and foremost. So it's not just a, a matter of recognizing that we have to deal with this concern. It's also how do you position yourself as a business and how you position yourself to your employees, your immediate customers, as I call them. Um, what kind of policy do you have in place? Who would they go to to maybe... Uh, talk about what's going on. If you're a small business, as a manager or as managers, you need to be trained on how to uh, make the employees feel comfortable in coming to you so that you can coordinate some kind of accommodation. If you're a larger company, you want to have maybe designated individuals within your HR department if you have one. But it all starts with a policy. Like, where do I go? If I'm, I'm feeling some pressure, I'm feeling um, that there is something that concerns me, who do I speak to about it? Ultimately, like you said, there is a business case because individuals um, going through these uh, concerns will definitely require time off or will be forced to take time off. And if you're not aligned as a business, it's going to put a stress on the rest of your company. Yeah, it, dominoes would fall, right? You know, if, if if you have one person who's taking a high number of sick days because of something going on personally, then the rest of your team has to pick up the slack, right, Killian? Absolutely. So that adds to the pressure, right? So everything out there uh, introduces more stress in individuals, like even simple things, like you said earlier, clocks moving forward. You know, losing that, that sleep for some individuals is important. Yeah. Uh, we, you have to recognize that. Uh, same thing uh, happens here, but there is a way forward. It's just that you have to be open as a business to have those conversations, but also uh, you have to have an understanding um, on how to go about having these conversations. A lot of the, um, as I call them, new managers nowadays, they're, they're finding it tough because now we're dealing with not just individuals in the office where you can sit down and have that conversation, but how do you manage these things when you have maybe a good chunk of your workforce working remotely? You led right into my next question, Killian. I was going to say, mm-hmm. with the change of you know in-office and out-of-office employment, it must be challenging for, you know, businesses, small and large, to kind of make sure that everyone, all their employees are are getting supported. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of changes with that. Um, a lot of individuals um, that that were relying on that, um, that body system maybe in the office or someone that's working with them, now they find themselves that they sometimes have to, even though companies are saying that they're bringing everyone back, they, they have to work remotely. So maybe... Um, that positive attitude might not be there anymore, so that adds to the stress. Um, so you have to you have to have ways on how to deal with that. Um, have maybe more frequent meetings. That's what we have done, for example, uh, during this time. Have more frequent meetings with your team. Have more meaningful meetings, not just meetings and touch points. And always encourage and remind individuals. Sometimes we go about our day with not realizing that we might need some assistance. Might not be. Uh, always very intense support that you require might be a few things, maybe pointers and, and guidance on how to handle certain types of stresses in your life. Um, like I said, at work or outside of work, 
So that really helps. But if it's not in place, if it's not advertised, the rest of the day will just take over. Yeah, no kidding, right? It gets away from you quite quickly. Uh, Killian, we have lots of people who own and run small businesses that listen to this show. Um, where should they start if they don't have mental health supports in place right now? Where would you recommend that they begin this process to make sure their employees are supported? First and foremost, um, as I said earlier, it's having a policy in place. Um, we we directly help small to medium-sized businesses here at Peninsula putting this documentation in place. It always starts there. What that does for you, at least, it shows that you have uh, an understanding uh, and you're perceptive to what individuals might be going through. And once you have this policy, that policy then can establish some guidelines. Then within your means, you can start putting tools in place that you can communicate to your employees, which might help them. Then you start having a program. Then you start maybe establishing individuals responsible within your business um, to make sure that someone has a voice whenever they need to raise something, and also they have someone to go to. So first, you you want to be having an open door policy. Doesn't matter the size of your business. You want to acknowledge that these things happen. Again, I'm not saying that there might not be individuals that might take advantage of this, which might be something that we have to talk maybe at a different time. But um, in, in general, you want to be open to at least listening, having some tools in place, communicating um, some type of work-life balance, understanding with your team. And some provinces have, have taken an extra step, like in Ontario, where they have established a, a right to disconnect. Right. Yeah. So you want to allow your team to maybe disconnect once their day is done. Yeah. Put the phones down. Don't check the emails. <laughs> I know. It's so true, Killian. Well, it's, yeah, it, it's so true. Thank you for the conversation today. I appreciate your insight. Thanks for this. Absolutely. My Thank, pleasure. Thanks, Killian. Have a great afternoon. Bye. All right. Thank you. That's uh, that's Killian Shukalara, the HR Advisory Manager over at Peninsula Canada, talking about the need and how to begin if you or your company doesn't quite have the supports in place. Small businesses, I know it's tough. It really is. But I guess policy, as Killian's saying, that's where it starts. And then you kind of build from there. And I think it's amazing that we are able to talk about mental health and the importance of mental health so openly and so frequently right now. And kudos to the provincial government in supporting mental health programs like CASA, C-A-S-A, and their mental health programs for youth. I think this is going to pay dividends down the road for sure. Welcome back. Uh, the next half an hour is filled with tips and advice to make sure that you do not get scammed. Fraud prevention is the next uh, half an hour of this program, and it's quite timely considering what we just heard in the news a few minutes ago. Fraudsters targeting newcomers to our city, posing as landlords, luring unsuspecting victims to give them cash for a rental that simply is fiction. It is not up for rent it's not available uh, that's one relatively new scam to pass your way and to be cognizant of but there are a lot of other things that we all need to be keeping in mind right now for us ourselves and of course our loved ones to make sure that we do not fall victim to scammers and that's where mary o'sullivan anderson comes in mary is joining me now she's president and ceo of the better business bureau which serves southern alberta and east kootenai mary thank you so much for coming back on the show today 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me here today. It's uh, Yeah, we got a half hour of this, Mary. We're starting with you because I know the Better Business Bureau um, always has uh, fraud prevention in mind. And this happens to be Fraud Prevention Month in Alberta. And we're talking about the top five riskiest scams in the country right now. Why don't we start um, right at the top and home improvement, Mary. So how exactly is this happening? Yeah, you know, and it's really interesting because home improvement doesn't typically make our top 10 list, but this year it has. There's been a lot of things that have really made this situation quite ripe from, you know, supply chain shortages, labor issues, that criminals are getting an opportunity to scam people on the home improvement side of it. So the way it works really is fly-by-night contractors, they either bid on work, they're not qualified to do the work, or they're taking hefty deposits and then not showing up to do the work. Um, There's a number of different issues that this caused, but the biggest thing really is is you're out time, you're out money, and you're out peace of mind. And uh, that's just the last thing that we need right now is Albertans. No kidding. And I know on your website, right, you you kind of track these things, right? We do. We do. We, we come out with a risk index report. Uh, we take it all the, We take a look sorry, at all the scams that have come in from the previous year. And we look at three different things. We look at the exposure, the susceptibility, and the monetary loss. So how likely is it that somebody's going to fall victim to this scam? What's the the median dollar that they're losing? Um, You know, and then what's the exposure? So, you know, what type of victims is it targeting? The fact of the matter is that we know from scams and frauds, anybody can be a victim. Yeah. You know, you, you talked about rental scams, but the fact of the matter is, anybody can be a victim of course okay so home improvement scams cracking the top 10 list for sure uh, regarding cryptocurrency mary how, how is how are those scams being you know per you know how are they being done yeah so we've seen a slight drop in the cryptocurrency and, and at least from our top 10 scams we've seen a drop um and you know we attribute that to there's been a lot of education and awareness people are a little bit more aware of it um, the biggest thing that we looked at last year when when this topped our top 10 scams um, was just the lack of information around cryptocurrency. And so, again, it, it kind of provides that breeding ground where it's ripe for, for victims to fall victim of that scam. Okay, so home improvement number one, cryptocurrency mm-hmm. uh, number two. Number three on the list is advance fee loans, Mary. Now, what exactly yeah. happens here with this? Yeah, so what we're seeing with the advanced fee loan is when people are looking to engage in just that, getting loans, and they're having to put out money beforehand or they're giving information before. It's not a reputable um, financial institution, and they're really they're really acting like predators on people who are looking for some additional financial support, and we have seen that a lot over this past year. Okay. Uh, next on the list is investment scams, Mary, and is this like, you know, Ponzi scheme type things, or is this a little bit more subtle? Yeah, so, you know, and it's it's tied really, isn't it, to the advanced fee loan in that people are obviously looking for ways to be able to earn a stronger dollar. And so it's not, um, it's not unheard of that they're going to fall victim to these investment scams. So it could be somebody that they've met online. It could be um, somebody that a friend of a friend has potentially done business with. We've seen it tied to grandparent scams, too, where people are falling victim to some of these investments. So um, best thing is to really do a lot of research on that and deal with trusted financial institutions on that. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, Next on the list is employment scams, Mary. And is this, you know, offers to, you know, take a job, but the job doesn't exist type thing? 
Yeah, you're exactly right. And we really saw this pick up a lot um, over the last few years with a lot of people looking for remote work or working from home. And so they respond to ads and these ads are on legitimate sites. I mean, they're they're on popular job boards, but the fact of the matter is they're they're looking for different ways to be able to take advantage of you. Um, in most scenarios, the job doesn't exist, um, or they are going into it trying to take your personal information as part of as part of that job. Search. As part of the scam, all right, Mary. Mm-hmm. You're always a wealth of information, and the website if people want to check it out. What's the best address for the Better Business Bureau? Yeah, best address, bbb.org. Um, you can also look at our scam tracker on bbb.org. There's a ton of information there. Um, you know, we appreciate that you dedicate time to Fraud Prevention Month because the more that we can do to keep consumers safe, the better that everybody is. Everybody really wins. So we want businesses and consumers to work together to make sure that we're increasing awareness and education on this. Yeah, we're all in this together, you know? Hard, hard-earned money. Nobody needs to lose it to a scammer, that's for sure. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time, money, and peace of mind exactly. is very precious. There yeah. you go. Thanks, Mary. Have a great evening. Thanks so much, Ted. You too. All right. Thank you. That's Mary O'Sullivan Anderson. She's the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau, uh, the branch serving Southern Alberta and East Kootenai. Again, the website is bbb.org, O-R-G, bbb.org. And the scam tracker on there is really good. It tells you exactly what's happening, especially those uh, texting scams, uh, the phishing scams that are out there, credit card scams, uh, travel, vacation, timeshare type things. Anyway, bbb.org slash scam tracker is where you can kind of be up to almost daily. They update that thing and let you know exactly what's kind of happening in our community.